Blog Talk Radio. I was kind of, you know, 
Today, today there was a big march on on uh, you know the kids that marched in all the schools today. There was uh, about two thousand uh, that that marched, and uh, I, I thought that was really it was a fascinating because you know it's you don't see that kind of activism very often in, in children. When I say children, I mean they're young adults. You know they're seventeen, sixteen, eighteen. You know, and uh, just as petulant and as uh, rebellious as we were at that age. And uh, but this this really this is really bothersome. Uh, this this is really and this is where the mindset of these freaking bastards you now down in the down in the the, the, the GOP that you know gops the they're they're not even human. But the GOP candidate calls Parkland survivor Emma Gonzalez a skinhead lesbian. I mean, good Lord, man. These people don't even deserve to be called humans, you know? And they're running for for government office, for crying out loud. I mean, I I don't know. I don't understand that. Uh, maybe, Maybe I got, you know, liberal issues. But, you know, God damn it! There is nobody in their right mind, you know, that 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 would accuse or 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 condemn a survivor of a Florida shooting and call her a skinheaded lesbian. All right? I mean, good lord! I mean, it, it, this guy is one sick, sick, sick son of a bitch. Okay? And you know, uh, I don't know. Republican. Or, this is this is the joke here. Republican candidate for the Maine House, call, for the, not the Florida House, but the Maine, Maine House is where I'm actually, I'm born and raised up there for many years, but there's so many deadheaded motherfuckers up there. You know, you know, I used to go to school with a lot of them, they're the freaking idiots. But we, I'm sorry, man, these guys knuckle draggers, man, you know, a lot of them. Republican candidate for the Maine House calls Parkland Massacre survivors Emma Gonzalez a skinheaded lesbian and her classmate David Hogg a bald-faced liar in a series of vile tweets. I mean, I mean what, what is wrong with people like that, you know? I mean, this is like, I, I don't know, this is just kind of like, now people like this, there's a picture of this bastard right there, and he's what a homely son of a bitch cocky, self-serving prick. Hey, Leslie Gibson, who is currently the only declared candidate for the 57th District in Maine, took to Twitter to attack two of the survivors of the Parkland High School shooting, calling one a skinheaded lesbian, another a bald-faced liar. This is a Maine legist. This is a guy running for the, the Maine House of Representatives. A Republican candidate from the Maine House of Representatives took to Twitter to attack two of the survivors of the high school shooting, calling one a skinhead lesbian, the other ball-faced liar. Leslie Gibson, who is currently the only dedicated or declared candidate for the 57th District, was speaking about two of the most prominent survivors of the massacre, Emma Gonzalez and David Hogg, respectively, when he made his statements. There's nothing about this skinheaded lesbian that impresses me, and there is nothing to say less to say unless you're frothing at the mouth moonbat Gibson wrote in a response to a Hill article about Gonzalez. In a later tweet, he said, calling her survivor disingenuous 
because it's disingenuous because she was a completely different part of the school than where the students were gunned down. A political hopeful, okay, for uh, also called Hogg, a bald-faced liar after a comment that the teen made in a CNN interview in which she said um, NRA spokeswoman Dana Loesch owns congressman. And Dana Loesch owns congressman. Uh, Gibson said about uh, Hogg's interview, completely absurd. Hogg doesn't get a pass when he blatantly lies. So this is this is what's so very weird. The GOP candidate was speaking about the two of the most prominent survivors, you know, in his comments, and uh, just just really really a sick son of a bitch, you know. This is sick son of a bitch. But, you know. Said, that uh, Fogg is a Democratic organized in green. I don't know what that means. But anyway, they're trying to find somebody to, to run against this idiot. But, uh, hey. I hope it's not true, but as Maine goes, so goes the nation. I don't know. Yeah, you get Lafarge. You know, you get all kinds of crazy people up there. Science believes that human microchip will not be optional. Isn't that amazing, folks? They they expect that the microchip, we're all going to get chipped. That's going to be a non-option for all of us. This is the 666 thing, man. This is scary thought. This is from, um, where is this from? Anti-News Network. Um, Unseen-pedia.com. Scientists believe the human microchip will not, will become not optional. Technologies designed specifically to track and monitor human beings have been in development for at least two decades. In the virtual realm, software programs are now capable of watching us in real time. Going so far is to make predictions about our future behaviors and sending alerts to the appropriate monitoring stations depending on how a computer algorithm flags your activities. That is, in and of itself, a scary proposition. What may be even scarier, however, is what's happening in their physical realm. According to researchers um, working on um, human uh, embedded microchips, it's only a matter of time before these symptoms achieve widespread acceptance. And this is a quote it says, chances are you're carrying a couple of RFID chips, uh, microchips right now. And if you are, they're sending out a 15-digit number that identifies you. That number can be picked up by what's called an ISO-compliant scanner, and they're everywhere. It's not possible to interact, it's not possible to interact with society in a meaningful way by not having a mobile phone. I think human implants are likely to go along a very similar route. It would be such a disadvantage to not have the implant that it essentially becomes not optional. 
they're saying that the human implant will become, you know, their microchip oh. kind of become as natural as the as non-optional as a as a, uh, a cell phone. So, hi, I'm sorry I'm late. I I had a call that I had to take. Um, so when are they planning on implanting people well, at birth? Well, this, uh, I'm reading the article. It's, it's uh, really interesting. It says, your initial reaction to this idea may be one of disbelief. Uh, I sort of feel that way, like, yeah. oh, my God. But there's no way society would accept such a device. Why would anyone want to implant this in their body? Well, consider for a moment where we are right now. For decades, Americans rejected the notion that they would submit to being tracked or recorded. Um but yet, yet, just about every American now carries a, a mobile phone. They're so prevalent, in fact, that many consider it a right, uh, prompting the government to actually provide subsidies for those who can't afford one on their own. Mm -hmm. Embedded in, the, in every one of these phones is an RFID chip that can track our every movement via GPS or cell tower tri tri triangulation. Mm -hmm. Moreover, those microphones and uh, cameras that come standard on every cell phone can be remotely activated by law enforcement surveillance systems, uh, a capability that has existed since the early 2000s. Wow. So they can hear, they can tap into your, uh, they can overhear your, your conversation. Your, everything, yeah. But as intrusive as these devices are, they are accepted as the norm by billions of people worldwide. Not only that, but no one. Um, had to force them on us. That's right. We are, it seems, the masters of our own enslavement, and we pay top dollar to have the best tracking device money <laughs> That's true. Huh? Granted, one can simply disconnect from the grid by throwing away their cell phone, but the direction these new monitoring de technologies are moving, coupled with continued government expansion of surveillance, suggests that microchip RFID technology will eventually be non-voluntary. Michael Schneider of The Truth Wins asks what you will do when you can no longer buy or sell without submitting to biometric identification. So you won't even be able to buy groceries. Yeah, this technology is going to keep spreading and it is going to become harder and harder to avoid it. And it is easy to imagine what a tyrannical government uh, could do with this kind of technology. If it wanted to, it could use it to literally track the movements and behaviors of everyone. And one day, this kind of technology will likely be so pervasive that you won't be able to open a bank account, get a credit card, or even buy anything without having either your hand or your face scanned first. Yeah. And it's difficult to imagine a populace that will freely submit to such a digital bondage. But as... Uh, has been the case with the degradation <laughs> no, ahead, of personal yeah. privacy and rights in America, be assured it won't simply become law overnight. It's gradualism. Yeah. First, the technologies will, will need to be generally accepted by society. It'll start with real-time computer-based products like Google Glass. The older generations may reject it, but in a couple of years, you can bet that the tens of millions of kids, teens, and younger adults will be roaming through the streets while sporting cool shades, interactive web serving, and the capability to record everything around them and upload it into the internet instantly. Next, as we're, as we're already seeing from early adopters, RFID chips will be voluntarily implanted under our skin 
for everything from access to high security access to high security buildings to grocery store purchases. Eventually, once the concept is generally accepted by the majority, it will become our new social security number. To gain access to official services, you'll need to be, ver be a verified human. Without verification, you won't be able to purchase a six-pack of beer, let alone get medical care or a driver's license. Whether, uh, whether we like it or not, this is the future. Every purchase you make, every step you take will be tracked by a tiny 15-digit passive microchip meaning that the only way to turn it off will be to physically remove it from your body. In essence, we'll soon live in a world of always-on monitoring. Our children and grandchildren, at least most of them, will likely not only submit to implantation, they'll gladly pay the cost so that they too can interact with society in a meaningful way. That's, uh, that's, that's the, uh, I, I, that's the uh, it's here. It's already here. There's no question about it. But uh, it's been here for quite a while. And some companies are are are, at, are demanding that their employees get microchip for security reasons. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You've seen that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, recently. And, I can't uh, think of which company. One down for They had a bunch of their employees um, got chipped. Um, but anyway, the 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 the. the this is part of, uh, this is all part of uh, revelation prophecy. How are they, you get, you know, you get encoded, you know. Mark of the devil, mark of the beast. Pretty frightening. Uh, anyway, there's something frightening, but this guy, this guy is the most scary bastard there is anywhere. He looks, Trump. he looks like a little munchkin. He's a dwarf. Uh, he's a weird dude. Trump's administration sues California over laws protecting the immigrants. I thought this was really a, this, this, this guy's got more. This guy's got more balls and he's got brains. Oh, I don't. I don't want to share that. I don't want to open it. Here we go. Um, this is Jeff Sessions, uh, a scary little bastard that he is, little troll. Um, Trump administration seeks to force a defiant California to cooperate with its agenda of step-up immigration deportation, went to federal court Tuesday to invalidate three state laws, the administration's most direct challenge yet to the state policies. America, uh, America, uh, administration officials say that three laws in question, all passed by the legislature last year. Legislature last year. Blatantly yeah. obstructs ah, federal immigration yeah. law and the the violate the Constitution's supremacy clause, which gives federal law precedence over state enactments. Hmm. Yeah. What are the three? Was oh, there a video? Uh, I don't know. No, you don't want to go there because it's a. Uh, The Department of Justice and the Trump administration are going to fight these unjust, unfair, and unconstitutional policies that are imposed on you. Attorney General Jeff Sessions plans to tell a meeting of the California Peace Officers Association in Sacramento on Wednesday. According to the excerpts of his remarks released by the Justice Department, we are fighting to make your job safer and to help you reduce crime in America, and I believe that we're going to win. 
the laws make it a crime for business owners to voluntarily help federal agents find and detain undocumented workers, prohibit local law enforcement from alerting immigrant agents when detainees are released from custody, and create a state inspection program for federal immigration detention centers. That's amazing, huh? Mm. And um, administration officials who briefed reporters before the suit was filed said other states that are pursuing laws similar to California's are also likely to be targeted in court. And it says um, uh, uh, the suit. Uh, the suit, which uh, yeah, the suit which administration lawyers filed late Tuesday in federal court in San Francisco, uh, San Clemente, um considerably raises yeah. the tension between the administration and the most populous state in the country. California officials consistently have sought to stymie Trump's efforts to impose policies incompatible with the more permissive version vision. of the uh, permissive, permissive vision of the state's leaders and the liberal leanings of the electorate. And many state and local officials in California say the administration stepped up deportation efforts as uh, are making communities less safe and undermining local economies. Mm -hmm. The case will test the power of the Trump administration to force California departments and police local Police departments. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I say? Departments. Oh, oh, police departments. Yeah. And local governments to cooperate with deportation and other aggressive enforcement actions uh, targeting people who enter the country illegally or overstayed their visa. It reflects the administration's limited tolerance for state rights when states want to go in a sharply different direction than the administration. Mm -hmm. In a state, in a statement, Governor Jerry Brown called the federal lawsuit a stunt. He says, at a time of unprecedented political turmoil, Jeff Sessions has come to California to further divide the polarized America. He said, Jeff, these political stunts may be uh, may be the norm in Washington, but they don't work here. Sad. And he said uh, California um, officials were preparing for the suit even before it was filed. Mm -hmm. And after the Justice Department announced Sessions would be making a major announcement in San Sacramento, state leaders expressed confidence that Washington's legal attacks would fail. We'll see what the courts say, said Sacramento Mayor Darrell uh, Steinberg, a former legislative leader. So far, the administration's record there is not stellar, he said, referring to the administration's repeated <coughs> excuse me, losses in court. We you, didn't pass the laws. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <coughs> I'm sorry. We didn't pass these laws to protect people with serious criminal backgrounds. We are protecting our communities from immigration agents, intimidating people, and overreaching in very serious ways. Yes. State Senator Leader Kevin DeLeon struck a similar note. If U.S. Attorney Jeff Sessions is suing California because he refused to help the Trump administration tear apart honest, hardworking families, I say bring it on. Based on the U.S. Department of Justice's track record in court, I like our odds, he said. The administration, however, could be in a stronger position in this case than in previous court battles over immigration issues, including court rulings earlier against earlier versions of Trump's travel ban and against efforts <clears throat> to cut off some federal money to cities with so-called sanctuary policies. In many other cases, <coughs> the administration has been trying 
to swiftly unravel or reshape well-established environmental workplace and immigration regulations that are grounded in years of case law or voluminous uh, administrative proceedings. In this case, it is California that is arguably in uncharted legal territory, imposing barriers aimed at undermining federal law enforcement efforts. And the administration official charged that state measures not only hinder their ability to carry out federal law, but also put immigration agents and communities at risk. I, I, this is, this is Quite a long much list. longer than I thought, but um, what's happening? You know, oh my goodness! Yeah, yes, yeah. it's very long. So, but what what it is is that you know they're they're fighting back, which is good. You know mm-hmm. they should, they really should. And uh, you know, this is a sad tale of Rex Tillerson, or T Rex as I like to call him. Um, he tells his side of the story. Yeah, it was interesting because you know he was actually he was told. Uh, on Friday night, by uh, he was in uh, Africa. <laughs> and, yeah. And John Kelly calls him at night, and he's sleeping. He wakes him out of his sleep and tells him he's gonna get fired. Just but, hours after his very public firing Tuesday, an emotional Secretary of State Rex Tillerson came to the State Department briefing room to tell his, tell his side of the story. Story saying he had received a call shortly after noon from the president aboard Air Force One, and he had spoken as well with the White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly. He did not otherwise mention or thank President Donald Trump. Tillerson first learned he was being dismissed when Trump tweeted this morning that he was nominating CIA Director Mike Pompeo as his new Secretary of State. Didn't even fire him yet. He hired somebody else first. Unbelievable. X that out. Tillerson announced he was delegating all his responsibilities to Deputy Secretary of State John Sullivan, effective at the end of the day, Tuesday, and that his commission as Secretary of State would terminate at midnight, March 31st. In the interim, he will deal with a few administrative issues and work toward a smooth and orderly transition for Pompeo. Sullivan was in the room with, Till- with Tillerson when he spoke uh, with a half dozen other top aides, and including the chief of staff, Margaret Peterlin, his chief of staff. So, who the hell is he talking Who are we talking about now? Kind of missed that. Tillerson's chief Tillerson, of staff? yeah. When he spoke, oh, oh, including his chief of staff, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, it's just not Peterlin. written very yeah. well. It's unclear now if Peterlin is and other top officials with close ties to Tillerson will lose their jobs too. But Tillerson encouraged those confirmed by the Senate as well as those in active positions to remain at their posts and continue our mission at the State Department and working in the inter- intra-agency process. They were appointed, a lot yeah. of those people. Noti- noticeably absent was Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs, Stephen Goldstein, who earlier in the day released a statement refuting the White House's narrative of when and how Tillerson found out he was being fired. Just hours after that, Goldstein, the fourth highest-ranking official at state and one of of the only Trump appointees, was fired as well. (laughs) After three months on the job. With Tillerson and Goldstein gone, nearly all top positions at the State Department will be left vacant. 
Among the six undersecretary roles, four have been vacant. A fifth is now open with Goldstein's firing. Uh, the sixth is filled by a Korea diplomat, Tom Shannon, who announced last month he is retiring. Shannon, the undersecretary for political affairs, said he will stay on until a replacement is found. More than a dozen assistant secretary roles remain vacant or filled by senior diplomats in an acting capacity, and overseas more than three dozen ambassadorships are empty, with the missions number two leading the embassy day to day. <laughs> Tillerson was visibly emotional in the briefing room, especially when he first walked up to the podium and began addressing the press, press with his vice, voice cutting out at times and his face red. He was just last week, it was just last week that Tillerson got choked up when addressing why he took the role in the first place. At George Mason University Tuesday, he recounted his father's and his uncle's military service and how he missed the draft during the Vietnam War by three numbers. Instead, he went off to college and worked 41 and a half years for ExxonMobil. And as I reflected on things at that point, I said, I really hadn't done anything yet. It's, it's my time to serve, and that's why I'm doing it, he told the audience. The former CEO, who, said, who says he still thinks of himself as an Eagle Scout, said he saw the uh, job as a form of serving his country. Despite his disagreements with Trump on policy, personnel, and leadership style, he remained committed to the role. I look forward to having a very, very successful 218, he told CNN in January. I intend to be here for the whole year. Well, he kind of didn't mis misunderstood that one. Until his father passed away the week before his comments about his father's military service, he had been home for a week dealing with that before his speech Tuesday and a week-long trip in, through Africa. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. Done in a peculiar way. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, this was what was weird. Uh, poor guy. It was in the middle of the night in Nairobi, Kenya, that he was awakened by a White House chief of staff, John Kelly. While the White House, <laughs> while the White House, as Kelly told Tillerson that he was that he was fired, a senior State Department official said that Tillerson was only warned uh, that such a tweet may be coming. But uh, Trump has tweeted about his cabinet secretaries before, only to keep them in place. For for months now, he has pilloried uh, Attorney General Sessions, but has not fired him. And. Uh, Tillerson cut short the trip to Africa, returning early Tuesday morning. Obviously, he didn't have a job. It was hours later that the news officially came in Trump's tweet. You know, in his goodbye address, Tillerson pointed to the progress in North Korea, Afghanistan, and Syria as some of his accomplishments and thanked his um, uh, State Department colleagues as well as Pentagon officials and members of the military for the privilege of serving with them. He said, to the 300-plus million Americans, thank you for your devotion to a free and open society, to acts of kindness toward another, uh, to honesty, and the quiet, hard work that you do every day to support this government with your tax dollars, he said. I'll now return to private life as a private citizen, as a proud American, proud to, of the opportunity I've had to serve my country, and he finished leaving the room with a wave and without taking questions. Well, very dignified. Very I nice. think so, yeah. He, he he kept his head up. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. What can you do? I mean, they, they, well, you know. The guy humiliated the hell out of him. Yeah. 
Trump is a piece of shit. What a piece of work to work for. God. Yeah. Here's this idiot. I call him the space pilot, DJT, here. But it's like, you know, now he wants to have a space force. No. What? Yeah, he's like, he, he thinks he's freaking Reagan. Reagan wanted Star Wars, remember? Mm-hmm. This guy wants Space Wars. Space Force. Makes him the laughing stock of the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh. Um, Is there a. Yeah. What? Is there a video there of him? Donald Trump thinks the United States should launch a space force, a branch of the government military devoted to wars in space. Oh, great. Yeah. Space is a, he says, space is a fighting, war-fighting domain, just like the land, air, and the sea, Trump said on Tuesday at the Marine Corps Air Station uh, in Miramar. Well, let's send him up first. He'll be the for, first yeah, really. fighting he'll, president. He'll send him up there by himself. First space warrior. Yeah, we may even time. have a space force. Developed anyone, another one. Uh, developed another one. Space Force. We have the Air Force. We have the Space Force. We'll have the Space Force. At first, Trump wasn't uh, said he wasn't serious about the notion, but then. Uh, then I said. Yeah, it's a quote, but he said then. What a great idea. Maybe we'll have to do that. Trump said. So think of the Space Force because we are spending a lot. And we have a lot of private money coming in. Tremendous. He also described the U.S. military as vital to assuring America. Keep going. That's the last one. America continues to lead the way into the stars. For the moment, however, his idea for a space force led to much laughter on Twitter. Yeah. Trump is considering, this is one of the Twitters, the tweets that have Trump is considering the idea of an American military presence in space. Uh, though his Pentagon rejected such an idea last year. So, he don't care. He just will keep bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, anyway, that's, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, it's just, just freaking crazy. This was the CIA thing. This one here. She was a she was an interrogator and torturer, and uh, in the CIA. Oh, wonderful! This is the new one that, that he's appointing to take Pompeo's place. She's the one that approved waterboarding and all that yeah, horrible yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gina Aspel, uh, Trump's pick for CIA, tied to use of brutal interrogation measures. President Trump on Tuesday chose CIA uh, veteran Gina Haspel to be the spy agency's next director, picking a woman who spent multiple tours overseas and is respected by the workforce but is deeply tied to the agency's use of brutal interrogation measures on terrorism suspects. Haspel, who's 61 years old, would become the first woman to lead the CIA if she is confirmed to succeed outgoing director Mike Pompeo, who has been picked to serve as Secretary of State. Um, Haspel's selection faced immediate opposition from some lawmakers and human rights groups because of her prominent role in one of the agency's darkest chapters. Mm. Haspel was in charge of one of the CIA's black site prisons where detainees were subjected to waterboarding and over-heroin interrogation measures 
the language interrogation right? and other harrowing and interrogation measures widely condemned as torture. Yeah, horrible. Wouldn't you just go right on to your next person if you read something like that about somebody? You would think so, but not Trump. Trump Trump is not the same kind of guy. He's more of a... um, He probably admires that. Yeah. He's a brutal person. Oh, Oh, this is the Washington Post now. If you want to keep reading this article, you got to pay him a buck. Up yours, Washington Post. Fake news, mother jubber. Who the hell wants them? I don't pay Washington Post a freaking nickel for anything they write. Uh, ICE spokesman quits bash, uh, bashes Trump administration on immigration aids. Yeah, that was funny. But uh, amazing stuff. But anyway, let, uh, let's let's get out of here. And uh, This one, I wanted to bring this up. This is kind of interesting. Marijuana chewing gum relieves fibromyalgia pain. I wonder why. Well, it's it's interesting. The legalization of marijuana in many states has opened numerous perspectives and has... um, Different avenues for... ...has resulted in many ingenious ideas for its use. Expanding the range of medicinal marijuana products the evidence that cannabis is an effective method to treat pain. Okay. Marijuana chewing gum to relieve formality of pain. Um, the evidence that cannabis is an effective method to treat painful and chronic conditions is undeniable. And additionally, it is more effective than leading traditional painkillers and can also reduce seizures in severe epilepsy conditions. Yet the revolutionary product by Med2RX is one of its kind kind and represents a cannabis-chewing gum which treats chronic pain, specifically fibromyalgia. Good, I'm glad they finally found something for that. People have suffered for years. Yeah, it contains both CBD and THC, Hmm. delivering five milligrams of each. And CBD is a non-psychoactive ingredient, so it numbs pain by blocking the main receptors in the body (coughs) in order to prevent their signals to the brain, but won't make you high. It just stops the pain. Yeah, that's great. This gum provides faster effects than smoking, as it bypasses the liver, it goes as soon as the CB reacts with the saliva, it quickly reaches the bloodstream and does not get processed by any other internal organ. Uh, These are some of the benefits of chewing gums uh, for pain sufferers. It relieves stress, it stimulates the cardiovascular system, has uh, neuroprotective and neural uh, stimulatory effects on the mind, uh, improves age-related cognitive decline. Furthermore, chewing uh, gum, mm-hmm. uh, chewing mar- marijuana gum, is more socially accepted than smoking, so sufferers can relieve their pain anywhere at any time. And Axum Biotechnologies, the company that um, uh, de- 
developed this product is currently testing its effects by, at, uh, but maintains that it will be available for purchase next year. This chewing gum is believed to be a faster pain relief method in the case of painful conditions, especially by fibromyalgia, and treats the symptoms and soon as they appear. I wonder if it'll help people with um, yeah. nerve problems, yeah. like on their feet or all kinds of stuff. So that's a, there, it's a it's a you know I know for a fact that it does, and uh, for a lot of things, and a lot a lot of people are using it for a lot of things, but, uh, but the gum is fantastic, yeah. Federal study finds marijuana is a hundred times less toxic than alcohol and safer than tobacco. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, science once again catching up with what many uh, already knew, but, uh, but this is progress. A new scientific study has investigated the toxicity of various drugs and found marijuana to be less than than all of them. Really? Yeah. Especially the ones made by the pharmaceutical companies. Exactly, or by the alcohol companies. Mm-hmm. Sativa. 
and uh, uh, statistics released by the National uh, something can't read this Institute of Drug Abuse reveals that the respondents 18 to 25 uh, more than half Exactly 51.90% have used marijuana. Percentages are lower in other two age groups. But it just proves that it's safer by 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 100%. 100 times, not percent, 100 times, which would be what, 1,000% is safer. Than alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, the NRA. Wells Fargo is the top banker for the NRA and gun makers. Yeah, isn't that just? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's got to be somebody, I guess. It's all right to finance gun makers, but not pot, pot farms. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's stupid, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Wells Fargo and Company has emerged as the preferred uh, financier for the U.S. gun industry. Hmm. San Francisco Bank has helped two of the biggest U.S. firearms and ammunition companies access $43.1 million in loans and bonds since December 2012. Wow. Uh, when the gun control debate uh, gained steam after the school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, according to data compiled by Bloomberg, but uh, that puts it at the top of the list of banks arranging funds for uh, gun makers. And uh, well, Wells Fargo also has a long relationship with the National Rifle Association inherited from the banks that Wells took over. Do you remember, you know what they were, remember what they were doing? They were, last year they were caught uh, creating all these phony accounts. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for, for, I think for they their paid, clients, they paid some kind of fine. They had a huge fine. They paid a billion dollars or something. Didn't seem to bother them. Nah, they they made more money Dropping than that. The and these were all they were they were their their managers and stuff were all told to create mm-hmm. bogus accounts uh, with with their with clients' names. Mm-hmm. All right, and it was it, it, it just didn't make sense. And uh, you know, she's. Anyway, they're they're a crooked bunch. There's no doubt about it. And stay away from Wells Fargo. Get the hell away from them. If you got money in that bank, get it out of there. <sighs> Here we go. Now, enjoy your last two months of unrestricted internet. Oh boy. Yeah, here it comes. Are we gonna be done? Maybe. That's uh, this asshole, uh, Pi, I guess his name is, the idiot from the FCC, chairman, and the FCC itself, yeah, yeah, put an end to uh, net neutrality. The FCC has published its net neutrality rules repeal in the Federal Register, mm-hmm. a process that spells the beginning of the end of the free and open Internet. Publishing the final notice of the repeal which the FCC voted on last year, states uh, or triggers a 60-day countdown until the rules are removed. At that point, the only thing standing between your Internet service provider and a throttled Internet dystopia is a pinky swear promise from the ISPs not to do anything nasty. (laughs) 
that not even worth the web page it's written on. <laughs> not all uh, hope has to be abandoned yet, uh, just yet, however. Posting the notice of the repeal in the Federal Register also makes it possible for it to be legally challenged or overturned by uh, lawmakers using the Congressional Review Act. using the Congressional Review uh, Act. House Democrats have already put forward a bill uh, using the CRA, a uh, little-known piece of legislation that's up uh, to now, had almost exclusively been used by Republicans to overturn federal rules put in place by Obama administration. Against all odds, the bill is collecting co-sponsors and even Republican support, and it now looks like it has a realistic chance of getting the votes to pass through the Senate. Democrats Democrat, Democrats have enough votes to force an up or down vote on the bill through the Senate. If they can get just one more Republican senator to flip, it'll pass. Why do they want it to pass? Oh, oh that's the, the bill, the mm-hmm. Renewal Review Act. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> a bill would have to pass the House of Representatives where Republicans have firmer control and then be signed into law by by President Trump. Given that he backed the FCC repeal of that neutrality provision, the, the, the chances of that happening seem slim right now. Nonetheless, it's a politically savvy move by Democrats to force the Republicans into supporting a policy that's overwhelmingly unpopular in an election year. And now it's officially go time, and uh, the Internet is gearing up for hell of a fight even Evan Greer, campaign director of Fight for the Future. The CRA is the clearest path to restore net neutrality protections that, that never should have been uh, taken away in the first place. And uh, a vote is immediate, eminent, uh, and so every senator needs to take uh, to decide whether or not uh, they're going to listen to their constituents or go down the history as being a schmuck. It's going to be an interesting debate, and I think, uh, I don't know, what do you think, Lana? About? Net neutrality. Well. Should be, don't you think? I'm worried. No, we're all worried. I hope we have some clout, but I'm beginning to feel we don't have much. Uh, A shocking number of Americans are actually 9-11 truthers. Isn't that cool? Very, very handsome. 
about two or three years old. Weighs about uh, 200 pounds <laughs> <laughs> and likes to likes to catch mice. Uh, that's that's Spaz, and uh, yeah, quite a cat. He'll be featured more in, in the new shows. He seems to enjoy the Pinky, you know, Pinky, uh, our other our other uh, uh, happy little uh, cat uh, is, is shying away from us tonight for some reason. She came in and left. She uh, she got bored. She doesn't like uh, these these topics, but anyway, makes her angry. <laughs> but uh, the majority of Americans believe that the government is concealing information about 9/11 attacks. A new survey suggests, and that's not the only conspiracy theory believed by a wide swath of Americans. Around 40% believe the government is hiding information about aliens, the John F. Kennedy assassination, and global warming. Conspiracy theories about the JFK assassination abound, and scientists say these ideas have become embedded in the very culture surrounding his, his death, which heaps of TV shows, books, and movies on them. Top 10 conspiracy theories explain. And we found clear evidence that the United States is a strongly conspiratorial society. Uh, studies lead author Christopher Badger, a Scientologist at Chapman University in California, said in a statement, we see a degree of paranoia in the responses. Most indicative uh, is nearly... Indicative. I'm sorry, indicative. Is nearly one-third of respondents believe the government is concealing information about the North Dakota crash. A theory we uh, asked about that, uh, to our knowledge, I even forgot what that was. I don't remember either. And, uh, <clears throat> oh, is that the one where... No, that was North Dakota crash. Was that the one where... Uh, where uh, was that in Montana? I think he was the one from Montana. The uh, Wellstone? Mm-hmm. Was that the one? No. I don't know which one they're referring well, to. One was, that one was a big conspiracy, too, where they thought the Wellstone was uh, was murdered mm-hmm. <coughs> because he was, he was a liberal. But I didn't uh, think it was against in the Patriot Act and all that North but Dakota, I don't know. I forgot what that was. Uh, we made up... Uh, Exactly why so many Americans seem to hold the right mix of belief and paranoia required to buy into conspiracy theories isn't quite clear, though the study did identify certain types of people who are more likely to hold such beliefs. But uh, then it goes into breaking down, you know. The government is concealing what they know about the 911 attacks. Uh, 54% agree, or strongly agree. JFK assassinations, alien encounters, global warming. Read the percentage of people that agree. Oh, sorry. The JFK assassination, 49.6% agree. Uh, Alien encounters, 42.6% agree. Global warning, 42.1%. Plans for a one-world government, 32.9%. Obama's birth certificate, 30.2%. The origin of the AIDS virus, 30.1%. The death of Supreme Court Justice Anthea Antonian Antonian, at 27.8%. The moon landing, 24.2%. Interesting, huh? Who believes? Well, past research into the math 
behind conspiracy theories and found that the more people who are involved in keeping a plot secret, the higher the odds is it will be unmasked eventually. People who believe conspiracy theories tended to be more pessimistic, less trusting of people they know, and more likely to do things like buy guns <laughs> out of fear, the survey has said. And based on the survey results, the people likeliest to have a conspiratorial mindset is a white, employed Republican with a lower income who is affiliated with a Christian government. That's not true. I, I believe in a lot of conspiracies. I, I, I don't, I'm not a white uh, um, uh, Republican, that's for damn sure. Yeah, I'm white, but I'm not a Republican. And I don't, I'm not affiliated with Christian domin- denomination, right, and none of that. So, you know, that stereotype is full of shit, right? Most people that agree with me, a lot of people agree with me, and we're, we're, we're all liberals, everyone, yeah. who, everyone we had. We did a full segment on this for, for for at least a year or two with Andy, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every week on our show, and we brought it up during that period of time, right after, uh, you know, it's proving, proving. That there was um, that there was a conspiracy there. Uh, so they, they, this is bullshit. You know, see to me, the Huff Post. I I I disagree with almost ninety percent of what Huff Post puts out. It's, a, it's kind of a rag. But uh, U.S. healthcare ranks worst in the developed world. Oh. Yeah, this is going to be this is shocking. This is terrible. But. U.S. healthcare ranked worst in the developed world. Um, U.S. healthcare system has been subject to heated debate over the past decade, but one thing that has remained consistent is the level of performance, which has been ranked as the worst among industrialized nations. You may have heard the acronym SSA muttered around the office. No, it's not a... I'm sorry, folks. The damn pop-ups are terrible. But... um, Heated debate over the past decade, but one of them remained consistent in the level of performance, which has been ranked at the, as the worst among industrial nations for the fifth time. According to 2014 Commonwealth Fund survey, the UK ranked best, with Switzerland following a close second. That's amazing, huh? Mm-hmm. Commonwealth Fund report uh, declares uh, compare the U.S. with 10 other nations, France, Australia, Germany, Canada, Sweden, New Zealand, Norway, uh, Netherlands, Switzerland, and the UK were all judged to be superior based on various factors. These include quality of care, access to doctors, and equity throughout this country. Throughout the country, results of the study rely on data from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the World Health Organization, and interviews from uh, physicians and patients. Although the U.S. has the most expensive health care system in the world, the nation ranks lowest in the terms of efficiency, equity, and outcomes. According to the report, one of the most uh, piercing revelations is that the high rate of expenditure for insurance is not commensurate to the satisfaction of patients or quality of service. High out-of-pocket costs and gaps in coverage undermine efforts in the U.S. to improve care coordination, um, the report summarized. And the striking take-home take-home from the report the striking take-home from the report was the need for equity throughout the nation, disparities in access to services, 
signal the need to expand insurance to cover the uninsured and to ensure that all Americans have accessible medical home. It uh, said, uh, a lack of universal health care has noted as the key difference between the U.S. and other institutional or industrial nations. Despite the shortcomings, positive notes uh, note that include the breadth of reforms spearheaded by the Affordable Care Act, including new databases for transparent information and financial assistance for low-middle-income um, families and gaining coverage. Those efforts will likely help clinicians deliver more effective and efficient care. The report concludes. Well, that's been that's almost been that's been pretty much short cut cut out by uh, the wonder the wonder boys in the freaking government today. But anyway, that's the that's where we're going to end tonight. And I uh, want to thank everybody who joined us. Oh, by the way, an MIT economist says the U.S. has regressed to a developing nation status. We're not even a we're not even a, a top nation anymore. You know that? Well, that's uh, yeah, they, they've reduced us to a, a developing nation status. We're not. Oh, we're, that's how poor. That's how bad and inequity there is in this country. And uh, oh yeah, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, uh, calls for Beauty and the Beast boycott over gay character. Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention. Keystone Pipeline leaks 210,000 gallons of oil in South uh, Dakota. Yeah, yeah, that's the Keystone Pipeline, the one that Trump arrogantly signed, you know, allowed to happen. And Trump signs resolution to permit dumping mining waste into waterways. This guy is a bum. He's a crook. He's a scum. You know, he's an eco-terrorist is what he is. Is this, uh, I can't stand this guy. And now he's calling for executions of drug of drug dealers like the Philippine guy. You know, yeah. It's just amazing. I wanted to show you this, Lila, this thing here. It was a safe a safe house in, the, uh, in our school room. Mm-hmm. I have started to install these safe rooms. They're fully bulletproof and, uh, they go. You, you, you can put them right in the school uh, rooms in the corner. Uh, interesting. No. This Lila works in the school. She doesn't care. She doesn't think it's. She just doesn't want uh, the crazy guys in her school to be having guns. I don't think that's a good idea either. But anyway, that's what that's the way it is. We want to thank everybody who joined us tonight and keep joining us. Study friends about us. And we appreciate your your uh, being with us tonight. So, thank you, and have a pleasant evening. And Lila, you want to say good night? I do, and I hope everyone stays safe and warm. And I'm hoping we don't get much more snow in New England. Yeah, but I, I hope where the folks that are listening, audience, I hope it's a little bit warmer and snow-free. Yeah, Spaz and uh, Pinky say good night too. Well, they took off. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, folks. Enjoy the rest of the week. Yeah, good night.